Hello, this is Robin McCauley from Black Swan, and you are tuned in and listening to Sonic Perspectives. and welcome to another interview of Sonic Perspectives. I'm Rodrigo Altaf, and today we're going to talk to Robbie McAuliffe, who fronted bands like Grand Prix and Macaulay Schenker Group in the 80s, and more recently he has been involved in Michael Schenker Fest and in a new band called Black Swan. Robbie, great to have you with us. Rodrigo, thank you very much. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. So before we go into the details of the first Black Swan album, uh, let me ask you about your health. I mean, you had a scare recently, so how are you feeling now? I am feeling fantastic, and thank you for asking. Um, it was a little scary. I didn't see it coming. A very uh, unwelcome guest came into my life. Um, but we got rid of that sucker, um, thanks to a great medical staff. I got sepsis. I have no idea where I got it. Um, I stay pretty healthy. I was doing great. I was packed and ready to take a flight to Florida uh, from LAX to do the uh, 70,000 tons of metal cruise with Michael Schenkerfest. And um, I got really, really, really cold. My body went into shock. Uh, one of my sons called uh, paramedics. I hit the ER and a few hours later, I was in the ICU unit and uh, I was actually in a 12 hour critical window, which was a bit of a shocker for my whole family. Anyway, um, the uh, Center for Infectious Diseases found out the uh, the real culprit bacteria, which was uh, sepsis. Apparently, I had uh, somehow contracted the E. coli virus that wow. became a bladder. Yeah, that became a bladder infection that became sepsis and uh, tried to knock me down. But uh, with a great medical staff, um, even with a temperature of 104 point something. Um, which I've never had in my life, um, and the wrong antibiotics for almost a 14-day period, I am fit as a fiddle and right as rain. So, um, dead man walking. <laughs> wow. I'm glad you, right? you, you turned things up, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So, let's talk about uh, Black Swan's debut, Shake the World. It'll be released Excellent. in a few days, Yeah, and I've been seeing a great reaction to it, and I love the album. So, thank you for it, first and foremost. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, Yes, Friday, uh, the 14th, which is also Valentine's Day. Um, yeah. We will see the release of the full Black Swan album, Shake the World, um, uh, featuring uh, Red Beach, uh, Jeff Pilsen, Matt Starr, and myself. Um, probably, uh, Rodrigo, I have to say right up, out the gate, probably the best album I have ever made 
the most fun album I've ever been on and the best vocal sound I've ever had of anything I've ever done. So um, it's a it's a fun time for me. I can't believe that I'm actually doing something like this at this stage in my in my life. But uh, it's done. The reaction is overwhelming. Uh, we we were not expecting this by any stretch of the imagination. Um, all of the requests for interviews started coming in. And um, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule and I'm going, really? Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> and and it's, it's been overwhelming. Um, if come Friday, when we release the full album, if we get anything close to the uh, response that we've been having to date, it will be even more overwhelming. And will definitely uh, be a great incentive to take the band live as soon as we can. Yeah, because as you know, as soon yeah. as you can, you know, yeah. we have crazy, crazy, crazy schedules. Yeah. Uh, all of us with touring and everything. But nothing's impossible. That's what I'm very positive when it comes to stuff like that. So um, we'll have to make it work one way or the other. Yeah, that's the hope. And uh, for me, yeah. it, was so, it was certainly great to see you reconnect with uh, your former MSG buddy, Jeff Pilson. But uh, how did each oh, of the members God. get involved in the band? Well, you know, uh, Frontiers came to me some time ago. Um, and Serafino himself called me and he said, oh, I would love to work with you because you're probably the only musician that we haven't worked with. And I said, well, I'm not taking it personally. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, you know, um, the uh, things weren't in the right place. Um, I, I, you know, I work a Vegas show uh, five nights a week, the Radio the Rock Falls, going into our seventh year with almost 1,500 shows under our belt. Wow. Um, uh-huh. And then I yeah. tour with Michael Shankerfest, and all of that was, was going on. I'm in Vegas right now because I have a show tonight. It will be the last show of the, of the week's run because uh-huh. um, we work Saturday through Wednesday. And so we kind of put it on the back burner. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe a year ago, Jeff called me and uh, he said, Serafino has been talking to me from Frontiers and uh, asked me to put like a group together for another project. And because he does a lot of work for Frontiers on a production level, right. um, um, he said, uh, so what I did was I called Red Beach because I worked with Reb during a, a, a Dawkins record. And I wanted to call you because we have a great history together and we haven't done any work for some time. And I think now is the time. How do you feel about it? And I said, oh man, I would love to work with you and Reb. And I said, but you have to be playing bass. And he goes, no, I don't want to play bass on this. I want to be more on the production uh, side of things, just on the outside looking in. And I went, Nah, I don't want that to happen. I, I, you have to play bass. He had a whole bunch of bass players that he had lined up. And the same with drummers. He had drummers that he had down on the list. And when we started writing, of course, um, and he's involved with, heavily involved with the writing, mm-hmm. um, he'd, be, he'd be laying down bass tracks to get, the, to get the songs moving along, the writing pro- uh, process. And, of course... Um, at that time, he, he put a drum machine, a great drum machine, just to get, you know, to get a feel on the stuff. So the longer it went on because of our schedules and trying to get together in the studio and when are you free and when you, can you come to my studio, all of that sort of stuff, um, those bass players and drummers were no longer available. Yeah. 
<laughs> and so we carried through the entire album writing and came to the end and needed a drummer. And I said, you know, I worked with Matt Starr at, at the Vegas show and, and I've done some events with him in Hollywood. So yeah. let me get, shoot him a text. Let me shoot him a text. Matt goes, totally in. Let me hear the stuff. So Jeff sent it to him. He was blown away and he came into the studio and he really brought the thunder. He, what, he, what he has done on the record is, is fantastic. It's amazing. You it know? is, yeah. So Massive drumming. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. thunderous. It's, it's, it's just great. So yeah. the writing process was, uh, it was great. It's not Whitesnake, it's not Dawkins, it's not Winger, it's not MSG. It's, it's very much Black Swan, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe you guys came up with your own identity in a short period of time, for sure. Yes, you know, you know, one of the funny things was one of the first ideas that uh, music ideas that Jeff and, and Reb sent to me just just to see where we would feel it out among each other. You know, mm. um, I came back to the studio and I said, hey, I know Reb's in town. He's going to be at the studio. I'm going to I'm going to come by and say hello and I'll let you uh, hear what I have for for this very first idea. So I came in and I, we didn't record it properly. I'm singing in, in the control room. So they just got a rough idea of it. So I start singing and I hit the chorus, which is big disaster. And Reb starts laughing and he goes, oh man, what a way to start. This is, this is our first chance writing together. And you come up with a song called big disaster. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I didn't, I didn't even think about that, you know? And, um, he said, probably not a good title for an album. And I went, nah, this is the first song, you know. Um, ironically, you know, at the end of all of this story, uh, The Big Disaster gets released as the second single the very same day that I'm being released from hospital. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, and wow. people, are calling, people are calling me going, dude, is this some kind of a publicity stunt? <laughs> and I'm going, no, 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 no. It's just purely... Purely coincidental. So, oh, wow. You know, everything, everything happens for a reason. It's a great track. Reb is absolutely smoking on it. He's just like, as Jeff Pilson describes his playing, it's really nasty on this album. And, and he really comes into his own because he's such an amazing guitar player and he has such a depth of melody. It's just, ah, he kills it. Yes. He just kills it. Yeah. And Jeff is such a great person. Uh, to work with. He's a great songwriter, great producer. So, yeah, we came out with a, a very fresh, powerful, pretty organic sounding album that we're just really happy with. Yeah, and I think another thing that's unique about this uh, this band is that, well, Frontiers has been putting together a lot of bands recently, and in some cases, the band members hardly know each other or they haven't even met. On this particular yeah. case, you guys seem to have a lot of fun working together. Am I, am I right in saying that? Yeah, it feels like a band. It's, mm -hmm. it, you know, a lot of people are going, oh, dude, how is it working with a super group? And I'm going, oh, please don't talk with a super group. It's not a <laughs> super group. It's a bunch of guys who, who just are fortunate enough to have the same interest in music. Uh, we know each other. At least Jeff and I did, and I know Matt. And, and I'd met Reb uh, during his Night Ranger days when I was singing with uh, Survivor. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't really know uh, Reb other than, of course, the depth of his work, but having spent a short time together, you would think we'd known each other for as long as I've known Jeff, you know, wow. uh -huh. and we came in and we, we, we cut those videos for 
um, shake the world in big disaster. And we had an absolute blast, like, like, like we've been playing together for a long time. So I can't wait for the opportunity to, um, to see this go to the live stage. I think it would be just, I think it'll, 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 it'll knock people over, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I love the mix on the album, too. It's great to see some room for bass and drums to shine as well. It's not something right. you hear every day, right, in the current musical output. And that's what I mean about, about, about organic, how powerful and organic it sounds. It's very open and very real. It's just it's like we're standing in the room with you. It's awesome. Yeah, and when it comes to to the lyrics of the album, uh, were you responsible for all of them? I mean, are you fine with singing lyrics you wrote and ly lyrics written by others, or what's your preference? Oh, absolutely, mm. absolutely. You know, Jeff is responsible for "United Divided," which is an absolute monster of a song. Mm -hmm. um, the rock that rolled away, he had the chorus, um, and most of the most of the rest of it. Um, um, the long road to nowhere. He had a chorus because he had a, a friend that he was writing about, and he shot it over to me, and I wrote the lyrics to uh, to all the verses. And most of the songs I wrote, most of the lyrics to, I'd go into the studio and sing it down to Jeff, and he'd go, just change that word there, that word sounds better here, and we'd collaborate that way. But for the most part, uh, with the exception of a few songs, I wrote most of the lyrics and most of the melodies, and we would... And we would collaborate and and uh, change things for the for the better of the song, and that's what that was always important. Um, it's not about me, and I wrote this, and it has to be me. It wasn't about that. It was about how does the song work best, I and uh, I think and I think that shows. I think mm -hmm. that really shows. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, cu I'm curious about the title, Johnny K. Marching. I think it's a different take on the war, seen from the point of view of a soldier who's coming back from the combat lines, right? Can you expand a little bit on that one? Yes, I can. I, actually, it was very close to me because I was in, in Europe. I was actually in Poland with, with Schenkerfest, and I saw the headline uh, about the uh, borderline grill massacre in California. That happens to be about 25 minutes from my front door. Oh, wow. And, and one of my sons, my son Casey, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> the college is very close to where this grill is. And he'd been there the week before with, with a bunch of his buddies. And they, they do this line dancing thing for fun. Mm. And he was on his way to the Borderline Grill on that very same night. And he has a part-time job, been a college student. And he got called into work, thankfully. And he didn't make it there on the night, but uh, it inspired me to, uh, when the, Jeff and Reb sent me the music, they had ideas for for a very different kind of song. Yeah. Um, but, but this idea was, was stuck in my head, and I just had to write it down. So I came to Jeff and I said, I have, I'd like to really structure this song about a young soldier coming home, not properly counseled, acclimated back into society and uh what happens we are is all too common and uh i said i, I would like some really marching drums on the beginning of it and it's uh it's a kind of it's kind of it's a little disturbing because obviously the massacre itself was extremely disturbing yeah um and and we see too much of it and you know when i talk my, my dad was a soldier my uncles were soldiers And when I talk about soldiers, I'm always thinking about 
you know, older guys because, you know, soldiers are supposed to be more experienced. Our kids, our servicemen and women are kids, young kids, 20, 21, 22, with a gun in their hand in a foreign country and, and meeting all kinds of horrendous obstacles and seeing awful stuff that stays with them and affects them greatly. And, of course, they come back home and things are not as they were when they left. And that's kind of where the song is about. And, of course, the whole end section, Jeff, had the idea of putting in the, uh, you know, the, the TV and the radio news reports that, that yeah. really, really brings it home of what the song is about. And uh, it's not uh, at all, of course, to glorify the craziness that a person may be feeling and, and, and go, go crazy. Um, or to take away from the horrendous effects that it has on those poor families who suffered such a great loss with yeah. their young kids. Um, but it's more of an awareness thing, you know, that yeah. this is the society we live in, and uh, we have to do something. We have yeah. to do something. For sure. Anyway, there you yeah. have it. There you have it. No, no, that, I, I appreciate the, the thoughts and a very, very deep, uh, deep, meaningful song. I love that one, yeah. But uh, tell me about another favorite of mine, uh, She's On To Us. I think that's, for me, that's the best chorus on the whole album. But if you can expand oh, on that one. Yeah. I will, I will. Um, that's actually a true story. Mm. It's a true story um, about a very good friend of mine who happens to be a private investigator. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> And um, she, has a, she had a stupid-ass husband, right? And this is a gorgeous woman, let me just tell you. But, you know, sometimes it's not enough for some guys. So this particular idiot, right, mm. thinks that he can have an indiscretion and his <laughs> his private investigator wife's not going to find out about it. Well, wrong, my friend, right? <laughs> so so when I when uh, when the music came into me, I, I Jeff again and Reb had an idea that it it should go a particular direction. I'm listening to it and I'm going, mm, I know where this is going to go right now. And so I came back to them, I came back to them with this chorus and this, this pre-chorus and, uh, uh, you know, she's not crying anymore. Yeah, that's the best part, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, um, that's really what it is. It's, uh, it's about a, a friend of mine who's a private investigator and uh, she busted the ass out of her husband for being an idiot. Right. And needless, needless to say, he's not around anymore. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, she's not crying anymore. <laughs> no, she's not. Definitely yeah. not. So, yeah. yeah, so there you have it. You asked, now you got the answer. Yeah, I, I'm torn. I don't know which one has the most uh, MSG vibe on, on this album. I, I'm torn oh. between She's On To Us or Long Road To Nowhere. Yeah. Oh, um, actually, that was Jeff's chorus. Jeff came to me and he said, oh, I have a friend mm. who has a terrible drug problem. And I've got this chorus, but I don't have a verse. Um, and this is kind of what it's about. And so I went home with it and I listened to it and I came in the next day and I went, here you go. What do you think? And he goes, oh my God, that is, that's just like perfect. Um, I don't actually hear MSG in there at all. Funnily. I mean, that said, somebody said to me earlier, um, it would be, it would be, uh, impossible if because of Reb's past with Winger and Whitesnake and Dawkins and Foreigner and MSG and what have you, 
that there wouldn't be a hint of one of those bands of somewhere in a chord structure or somewhere in a melody because, you know, subliminally, we do have a tendency to steal from ourselves sometimes. Yes. And it's not, intent- it's not intentional, it's just a style that you write in. So it's, it's uh, inconceivable to think that you wouldn't repeat yourself at some point, yeah. you know? It's your after mark, a few, yeah. After yeah. a few beers, I repeat myself all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Um, so, so maybe, maybe, maybe I wasn't uh, honestly um, conscious. Nobody else brought that up, so interesting point that you yeah. should hear that. Yeah, uh, you mentioned "Divided United," which is uh, a Jeff song uh, that has a strong Queen vibe to me, right? Can you tell us about that one? Yes, well, uh, it's better if Jeff explains it. But um, I had been to see uh, see uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mentioned it to Jeff. We were recording one of the songs, and he said uh, that he was planning to go see it the same night. And I think around midnight or something, my phone is hopping off the shelf and. Sure enough, there's mm-hmm. Tilson sending me an, an MP3 file, and he came, he came straight back from the movie, was deeply inspired by what he had seen, and sat up his grand piano and started to knock out that song, and sent me, sent me what he had, uh, melody and lyric-wise, and, and he, also, he also sang it, and um, I went, oh my God, this is, this is amazing, you know? And he said, yeah, but I want, you need to come in and sing it. You need to put your thing on it. You need to, you know, put Robin McCauley on this track. Uh-huh. And, and I said, I'd be totally cool if you sing it. And he goes, no, 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 I don't want to sing it. You're singing it. So we got to it and I changed a couple of things that were more suited to how I phrase things. Stuck a little extra line here, here and there. But basically a song that Jeff wrote. And then um, he always wanted to have that beginning and then that ending, almost like a tire mother down kind of a thing from how they go crazy with Queen on that. And oh, he wanted right. a, big, a big, powerful riff. And Reb came up with that riff. And um, the melody was a little bit different. And I went, let's try this. So I, came, I just started to sing like I did on it. And it worked out great. It's a very powerful song, very powerful lyric, and very, uh, very topical for where we're at right now. Yes, indeed. And I'm glad you watched the Queen movie, not the Motley Crue one, but you don't have to comment if you don't want oh, to. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, by the sheer fact that I won't comment on it should be enough. enough. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a question about your uh, vocal performance, because to me it's uncanny how you kept your voice so powerful through the years. What is your secret for that? Oh, Lord, I don't know if it's a secret. Um, um, you know, it's my instrument. It's the only instrument I have. I, I wanted to be a great drummer. I was pretty lousy at that. Um, mm. And um, I never, I've never regarded myself as a singer, vocalist, whatever you want to call it, um, purely because I really wanted to be a great drummer. Um, mm. I, got kind of, I got kind of thrown into that. And people said, oh, dude, you have a very unique voice. You should work on that. And uh, I did. I worked on it very hard. I, I, I uh, spent a lot of time. My wife always tells me that I can lose my voice by just saying it. By just If I think it, I, lose it. I could lose it in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
that's kind of how fickle I am. Um, I take great care of it. Um, when I'm not working, I hardly ever, I'm very unsociable. I hardly ever speak to anybody because I'm always thinking the show is number one. The show is what matters the most. When I walk out there, I have to be 100% ready to go, ready to do it, no excuses. And um, because I travel a lot and I tour a lot, um, that's a very difficult part of it. So you have to be extremely careful that you, you, you wrap up, you don't make yourself prone to catching cold, flus. All of, it's a nightmare as a singer. We always say, we singers always say, must be so much easier for the drummer or the guitar player <laughs> because they can have a hangover, they can have a cold or a flu, but they can still walk out there and do it. The yeah. singer, everybody's going to point the finger at the singer and go, dude, we have to cancel because of you. <laughs> right? Yes. And so the, the singer gets it in the neck and the singer also gets told that he's a total prima donna because, you know, it's the poor me syndrome. Well... <laughs> You do need the singer to sing the show if you really like your singer. Um, so there's a big responsibility uh, from that level, but there's a big responsibility that should be taken by the singer to make mm -hmm. sure that, that that doesn't happen. Yeah. And I take as much care as I can to always try to be on my game. And it's not easy, but I worked very, very hard at it. I'm very fortunate. I still have a lot of power in my voice. I still have, I still have a good range, and and I know what I'm capable of doing, and so I don't ever go any further than I know I'm capable of doing. So uh -huh. I stay with it. I will stay within that, and that works for me. I see, and I understand you quit the music business for more than a decade and studied computer That's design. Right. Tell me about that choice and what prompted your return. Oh, that was easy. Um, <laughs> you know, I have twin boys. Mm. Um, uh, they'll be 21 on Friday, I think I just said. Um, and um, one of my boys, Casey, actually sings backups on about four of the songs on the record. Oh, he's nice. Killer, oh, he's got a killer voice, and he's, he's a great guitar player. Mm. And, and he wanted to come to the studio, and when we had him there, Jeff took him on a couple of tracks, and, and he sings so high, he said he chases the dogs out of the neighborhood. <laughs> um <laughs> So there was a great opportunity for him and me to just work together. Um, but the question, um, I was in Japan. My boys were born uh, on Valentine's Day, and I had to go to Japan on tour. And my son, Jamie, who's one minute older, um, uh, I missed his first steps. I wasn't home. And it broke my heart. And... I'm a real homebody. I, I, I love my kids. And I, I love my family. So I was really bummed out. And I said, I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm a, at the time, it was like, I think, 92. So 80s rock, what we were doing, there wasn't, a, you know, it was kind of alternative music and, and, and grunge was the big thing. And so it's not yeah. like there was a huge, it's not like there was a huge amount of work for 80s style music anymore. So when yeah. I came back from Japan, I made a very conscious decision that I needed to do something else to stay off the road. I needed a paycheck, right? I needed to work. And if music wasn't going to be my avenue for, uh, for making some money to take care of my family, I needed to do something else. I had no idea about computers or computer graphics, to say the least. Um, and in the time, 
in the beginning when I stayed home, my son Casey took his first steps. So I, at least I saw that. And I had some friends in the graphic design business. And I went to uh, college and I took uh, graphic design courses. And uh, I did as much learning as I could. And I was very fortunate uh, to get a, an opportunity as a production artist in a manufacturing company. Oh, okay. And, and um, I started doing layouts for, you know, shampoos and conditioners and facial uh, uh, creams. And, and I could probably walk into a Target or something right now and show you something that I actually did. Oh, wow. Uh, because, because, you know, they keep repeating themselves. And uh, it was a huge company. And I became a senior production artist for about 16 years. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, had, I, had a great, uh, I had a great paycheck. I had uh, a retirement plan, a 401k. Mm. I had uh, health insurance, and I was able to take care of my family. And in the midst of all that, I bought a house, two houses, right. actually. Oh, wow. And um, that was to- totally outside of the music industry. And I'd have some of my friends come and go, dude, how did you do that? I'm so stupid. I should have done that. And I'm going, well, you know, it's never too late because my poor wife was freaking out. And she works harder than anybody. She, she does 14, 16 hours a day. And she works with, um, she works with um, um, uh, eating disorder uh, kids. Uh-huh. So she works a very, very strenuous, difficult, stressful job. Um, and she said... You're going to go crazy because this is this is what you do, and you're going to drive me crazy being around the house all day because you're not singing, and um, and I we put family first, and uh, when the time was right, when the boys were about four or five, my phone started ringing off the hook, and I went from graphic design into joining Survivor, and the rest. The rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's another call coming in from me now, too. So, Right, so we should wrap up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me just, uh, go, going back to Black Swan, the album is set for release on February 14th. When yes. can we expect a tour to be announced anytime? Oh, um, I think I tell everybody this, this, this same thing. Um, <coughs> excuse me, I think we have to wait and see what the reactions on the release date and a little bit after that is going to be. If it's as positive uh-huh. as it has been to date, I think it'll set the tone for us having to look at it very seriously in terms of, I mean, right now we're looking at our schedules going, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe then, maybe that, you know, and uh-huh. we may have to take a more serious, concentrated look at it if the reaction is very positive. And of course, you know, promoters, etc., etc., etc are going to feel that they want to have Black Swan on their, on their bill. I see. And there's a lot of factors that come into play. Uh, hopefully all of those will be positive and, uh, and we can get to it ASAP. That would yeah. be my wish. I, I think I speak for the rest of the guys. They would like to do that too. So yeah, yeah. fingers I'm, crossed on that one. Yeah, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for sure. Robin, thank you so much for your time and all the best with Michael Schenker Fest, Black Swan, and all your future endeavors. Thank you, Rodrigo, and I'll see you on the road. See I'll you, man. See you on the road sometime. See all you right. later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Folks, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Robin McCauley. 
Stay tuned for more news from Sonic Perspectives and please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're gonna leave you now with the title track of the Black Swan album, Shake the World. Take care and rock on. <laughs>